This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. Well, managing calories and choosing the best foods don't always go hand in hand. And artificial sweeteners, such as sucralose and aspartame, commonly referred to as Splenda and Equal, they offer a zero-calorie alternative to regular sugar, and they're found in many foods and drinks in this country. But according to upper-level management at Pepsi, aspartame is the number one reason that consumers are now dropping diet soda. And PepsiCo and others have begun to replace aspartame and diet Pepsi with um, Splenda. So what are the real health concerns related to sweeteners, both natural and artificial? And is this new replacement any healthier? Well, here with more on all of this is Maureen Franklin. She's a registered dietitian for Upstate Medical University. Welcome, Maureen. Thanks for, so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. I, I want to get the real skinny on this. I mean, no pun intended, <laughs> because there's so much talk back and forth about artificial sweeteners. Let's begin by helping us understand what we mean when we say, you know, um, saccharin, aspartame, and 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 splend- oh, equal in Splenda. What are these, and what what exactly... Well, they when mean? they first came out, I know with Splenda, one of the things they tried to advertise is they advertise it as sugar. But basically, it's a it's a chemical compound, okay, that has been changed to have very little amount of carbohydrates or sugar in them. So they're basically an alternative for people who are either trying to control their carbohydrate intake or control their weight. But they are zero calories. Zero calories, yes. Mm-hmm. Minimal, they might have one gram of carbohydrates, some of them, depending on how much you use. So what would be the benefits of using artificial? sweeteners? Well, the benefits would be, again, if someone is trying to lose their weight um, and they are trying to watch their total calorie intake and they were maybe a high sugar user and in their coffees or teas and they still like that taste. Or the other one is someone who is a diabetic and is still trying to watch their carbohydrate intake. And instead of having a can of soda, which would be an enormous amount of carbs, they might want to have a diet soda, which maybe give them one gram of carbs. So they are more diabetes-friendly in that sense. I think they're more diabetes-friendly. I think they're also used for people in terms of weight control and, and someone who's saying, I just don't want to have those extra calories coming from a sugar-sweetened beverage. How about the issue of tooth decay? Um, Does I that think play that's, much of a role? Um, I don't know, and I, I haven't heard that much in terms of it, and I don't know if it's looked at it. Um, the one thing I would be concerned is in terms of, like, the caramel and the cola-type flavored beverages in terms of um, the wear and tear in terms of on, in, on your um, teeth. That would be an issue more in terms of it. Um, sometimes we do get into it with the different types of caramel sodas on a more medical part in terms of phosphorus and those kinds of things. Right, but the idea being that if you're using an artificial sweetener, they're not. it's not the sugar it's sitting the on your sugar teeth. sugar sitting on your teeth right but I think with anything it's the same thing there's something sitting on your teeth so you still need to brush your teeth and we still need to make sure that people get a good water intake which is my real concern for people making sure you drink enough water yeah always so what are the hazards I mean this has always been bandied about I mean one obviously there's no nutritional value to it you know but are there other things that you know there's been talk about the phosphorus you just alluded to that um and this whole notion, does it increase your sweet tooth because they're sweeter than sugar? Well, there's been a lot of talk about that, and I think patients that I deal with and clients that I deal with have that idea, and it might be, and I'm not sure if it's a placebo effect in terms of that. Um, I haven't seen any really good research just saying if you use a sugar substitute that it's going to make you crave more sweet so you will eat more. I think sometimes it kind of gives us a leeway of saying, well, I didn't use those calories, so, oh, I can have these calories here. And I think sometimes we tend to underestimate the calories or what we're eating. So to me, it's more, 
Hmm, is it giving me a license to have a more nice psychological? Dessert? Psychological. I'll, I'll have the yes. chocolate. I'll have the chocolate cake, cake with the diet with Pepsi. With the diet Pepsi, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I saved some calories, which they did. So, uh, it really depends on what works for each person. But there are some side effects I've noticed in in researching for this a little bit that some with cancer and depression, MS and and lupus, they, they've talking they've talked about some. Um, impact of these, um, like mood swings, headaches, fatigue, dizziness. Have you seen those? I've seen them, and there's a lot more information. Once the internet has been with us, um, there's been an explosion in terms of people saying, stay away from this, don't do this. Um, the FDA basically has said there's no convincing evidence in terms of a cause and effect between these sweeteners and a negative health effect. A lot of people disagree with the FDA, I know, but that's the information that we have out there in good scientific studies. I think it's very based on an individual. So if you know that your body does not react to that, then that is your own body. But I think that's an important concept that people have to know, how does my body react to it? Um, I've used sugar substitute. I've known uh, diabetic patients who have used it, no adverse effects for them. I have other clients who have said, I tried it once, I got a headache, you know, those kinds of things. So I think there's, there, is, there are side effects. I think they're individual. Um, is it a good thing to say blanket and never use it? I don't think so because I think it's an alternative for some clients. And, and even for pregnant women, it's been approved. Pregnant women, it's been approved. And, again, that's the thing in terms of they've looked at the studies, and when they've done the research on it, it is mega, mega amounts that would have to get to that level um, that would be harmful. Potentially harmful. Yeah. And even that isn't proven. Right. Like it's at one point, uh, one thing I remember was like 62 packets a day. And so it's an astronomical number. For I think that some of this harkens back to when saccharin way back mm-hmm. was somehow implicated with bladder cancer yes. or something like that. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's actually ever really been proven. Been proven, right. And it's still on the market. So again, it's offering choices. And I think that's what the marketplace is doing is trying to offer clients out there choices that they like and that's why some of the newer ones have come that are more natural and I want to get to those mm-hmm. in just a minute. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm Linda Cohen, along with registered dietitian Maureen Franklin. We're talking about the pros and cons of artificial sweeteners in your diet. We're also going to talk a little bit more about other sugar alternatives. And I was kind of shocked that these things called sugar alcohols, and there's one group called Novel Sweeteners. Help us understand, what are sugar alcohols to start? Well, sugar alcohols are used in some products that are, we used to call them dietetic products. Now they're used in things where the labeling or the marketing might say low glycemic index, net carbohydrate. So again, it's a marketing type um, trend that I see. What I get concerned with is people look at that and they don't look at the whole food label, which is one of my basic things I think people need to look at. When they're looking at that, they need to know that it is a type of carbohydrate. Okay, It's metabolized differently in your body and your system can react to it. Um, heavy doses of it too much can cause GI effects for some people in terms of it. But some people, it's used to from the marketing, make the product look like it's lower in calories. And you can find them in a lot of processed foods, Mm -hmm. chocolate, candy, frozen desserts, chewing gum, toothpaste, a lot of different things. And typically, a a lot of it is found in sugar-free, little quotes around it in terms of it. So people go, oh, it's sugar-free. And then they look, and or they don't look, and it says sorbitol or mannitol. And again, the way it's listed. So people go, oh, I can have all I want of this. It's like, no, still has calories, still has carbs. 
still is things that you need to be aware of. So it's just a little less caloric? Is that the idea? It can be, yeah. Um, in terms of, like, if you looked on a label, there's a little trick that we can we teach diabetic patients in terms of the amount, and you can use it. it you can use half of, half of it that's absorbed. It's got to do with the absorption in terms of your body. So it helps people to a point, but it can, if it's overused and abused, it's not a good thing. So in the same way as the, the artificial sweeteners, it would be helpful in weight control and in with people who are diabetic. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, what are these novel sweeteners? I mean, stevia is a name that keeps coming up. What exactly is it? Stevia is actually a um, natural plant, okay, that has a high intense natural sweetness of it. And that is new in the marketplace recently, probably within, I'd say, the last four or five years, we're starting to see more of it. So, again, that is a natural way, is how they're advertising of people to use, which can be good, but the problem is it's kind of like with everything else. What is in that product? If it's not just stevia, are the other chemical additives and things that are in there, which I think people need to be aware of um, because it could say stevia, but how much stevia is in that product? So again, are you looking at it from a natural standpoint and saying, oh, my sweetener is coming from something natural? That is a very high intense sweetener, stevia, and it doesn't affect as much of the carbohydrate as say if someone used natural honey. And people go, oh, well, honey is natural. And it is, but it's still a carbohydrate. So basically, yes, so basically there are calories attached even to stevia, so it's it's less calorie. A lot less in terms of it. So definitely it's more what's in the stevia to help it, what other additives are in there as far as making it a sugar substitute or a sugar. a, a different type of sugar source. But that one, no. It's more the honey, the molasses, those kinds of things that people have to be aware of just because it says natural and it might have a health benefit, you know, bees and these kinds of things that people talk about. Those are still a source of sugar. I want to talk more about the natural sweeteners in just one second, but isn't it important to remember that when you look at a product and it says sugar-free, that doesn't necessarily mean calorie-free? Calorie-free, and it's not carbohydrate-free. Because often I know these sugar-free cookies or candies or what have you, and you think, oh, sugar-free, basically. So it's not, I mean, that's the whole idea of it being sugar-free and therefore a weight-control product. It isn't always. Right. If people looked on the label, and so they could, on the label, it could say zero sugars. So if people go, oh, I'm just looking at zero sugars, okay, but you need to look at the entire label. What's the total carbohydrate? What's the fiber? What's everything? So it might say zero sugars, but you might go up to carbs, and it still might have 17, 18 grams of carbs. So very important for people. Now getting to the naturals, because the natural things like honey, molasses, um, even agave, I guess, is considered Mm -hmm. a natural sugar. Are they any better to use than all of these other things or even the other uh, sugar substitutes? Well, the difference is the sugar substitutes are going to have a decreased amount of carbs because they are a substitute. Honey versus brown sugar, white sugar, agave, um, high fructose corn syrup, they are all a sugar source. So they're still going to have that carbohydrate value. So that's what people need to determine. What is in my food? What do I want in my food? And why is it in there? Am I getting it because someone substituted white sugar and put honey in and labeled it natural? And I think, oh, it's natural. Well, you're still getting the source of sugar. I think that's really the key. I mean, the bottom line, well, first of all, let me back up for one second. There are issues, there are potential health hazards with some 
of these natural sugars too. For example, hasn't honey in some ways been linked to botulism toxin? And uh, with honey, you definitely don't want to give it to children after uh, up to a certain age. So again, you're yeah, there's other things. So when people talk about the bad things in terms of sugar substitutes, there are other things you need to be aware of. Even the natural of, sugars. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the bottom line, I guess, in all of this, what is the bottom line? Is it is it a matter of moderation? And is it an issue, I mean, would you prefer someone to have less, a smaller amount of natural sugar, even if it's white sugar, than um, any of these substitutes? I mean, what do you tell your patients? And one last thing along that line is, what's all the, the buzz around high fructose corn syrup? Is it any worse than plain sugar? Again, it's still a source of carbohydrate. It's a different form. It's a cheap, you know, it's like corn syrup. It's a cheap form in terms of a flavoring agent in terms of it. Um, there's been a lot of, oh, scare about it because I'm getting high fructose corn syrup. So then some companies are switching to sugar or cane sugar. It's still sugar. It's a still a sugar source. It's still a carbohydrate source. So when you ask me the bottom line, I think the most important thing is every individual needs to find out why are they using that product? Do they want that product because they are looking at their carbohydrates or their diabetic level or they want to cut some calories? Are they looking at honey because that's the way they want their sugar source? They want it to be from a natural source. And there's nothing wrong with that. But every person, I think, needs to know, why do I want this product? I think it's important for them to use the products that are out there. There's some great products out there. There's some not-so-great products, but that is up to each individual. If I choose to use a diet soda, great. Why am I choosing to use it? If I choose to use honey, also great. But that person, I think, needs to be the one to look at that. Why am I using that? But I also think they need to look at my bottom line is I still think food labels are the best thing out there. And we're getting to the point of we're going to get some recommendations from the dietary um, guidelines. And the bottom line is you basically you want to, if you're eating sugar or sugar substitutes, moderation really is the Always key. Always moderation. In any case. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should eat some more fruits and vegetables. That's <laughs> along the biggest the line. line. We should get some good water in and we should eat, uh, you know, if you're going to have something, get it from your fruits and vegetables. Definitely. Well said. My guest has been registered dietitian Maureen Franklin. Thanks again so much for coming Thank in and for sharing your me. wisdom. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air.